Welcome to the Focus Today podcast with Perry Atkinson. Well, welcome back. And uh, wow, perfect timing and what an honor to have back with us today, Dr. Robert Jeffress. He's senior pastor there at the First Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas. He's a Fox News contributor. The Hope of Pathway to Victory, both seen and heard on the Dove Radio and TV networks, is the author of nearly 30 books, including Not All Roads Lead to Heaven and What Every Christian Should Know. And uh, he's got a new book coming out October 4th called The Big, no, we'll call it The Big, it's called The Ten. I'll call it The Big Ten. There it is, The Ten, <laughs> The Ten Commandments. And we're also honored to carry his daughter's program, Unapologetic. I have no idea when this man sleeps, and I think he puts jalapeno on his morning cereal. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, friend? Good to see you. <laughs> great, great to see you. It's great to be back with you. Thank you. Thank you. By the way, uh, website, ptv.org. That's pathwaytovictory.org. Well, you've been preaching on Revelation uh, through the month of August. How's it going or how did it go? Well, well, and we're getting great response from our audience on the Dove and uh, other outlets. And I think people are really interested right now in the end times because people look at the headlines and what they're experiencing and they're wondering, is the end here already? And so I thought it'd be good to take a fresh look at the book of Revelation, the book of the Bible, by the way, the only book of the Bible that has a special blessing attached to those who read and understand it. So uh, we're looking at it again to see how these timeless truths apply to today's world. It's also one of the most misunderstood books. Why do you think so? Well, one thing, people say, well, there's just no way you can understand the book of Revelation unless you have a seminary degree, <laughs> you know, mm. it's just too complicated. But it's not that complicated. Uh, when you read it in its plain sense, it's obvious there are images that are used, metaphors. But I believe, you know, the old adage, when the uh, plain sense makes good sense, seek no other sense. And I think <laughs> Uh, actual predictions of things that are going to happen that precede uh, the coming of Jesus Christ. And by the way, Jesus is central to the book of Revelation. It's the revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ. And really, everything in history is just prelude to the return of Jesus Christ. And uh, that's the most important event in history. And it's really the greatest hope that we have today. So I think the idea that it's uh, not understandable is probably the greatest uh, misunderstanding about the book. I think also there's the idea today that's making the rounds again is that this is just history. It's things that have already happened. I was having an argument with a family member uh, recently who had that view of Revelation, that it was all uh, history, the preterist view, uh, view of uh, Revelation. And I said, well, tell me, turn to Revelation 19. When is it that the clouds have parted, the Lord Jesus has come back, and we have come back with him? When does that happen already in history? And he couldn't point to a time. This is about future events, not about past history. There's also, uh, we're, we're living in a time, Pastor Jeffress, where I don't think the world has been this upside down. And what makes it interesting, we have mass communication, which is informing us all over the world that something else is up. Something is beyond human control here. It's, it's universal, which now leads people to think, 
Is there a God? Should I read the book of Revelation? Are you sensing that? Yeah, yes, I am. And again, if you're honest, you can look back in history and say in some senses uh, we have been here before. Uh, there was paganism during the time of Rome, but there seems to be something different that is happening right now. The world seems to be unraveling quicker than it ever has before. You look at what Jesus talked about in Matthew 24 and 25, increased immorality. I mean, just look at what happened out in the desert at this Burning Man uh, conference or whatever you want to call it. See, it was like Sodom and Gomorrah, the things that were taking place there. Uh, Jesus talked about apostasy, and uh, we see poll after poll about how many people are turning away from the faith, self-professed Christians who are giving up. And then you see the political unrest, both in our country and in the world right now. Jesus said, these things have always been, but when the end is near, you will see them like the birth pangs of a mother. They will increase in frequency and intensity. And I think that's what's different. We're seeing these uh, signs of unrest uh, be more intense and more frequent than they've ever been in history. You know, um, uh, all of us have heard through the years a lot of messages out of the book of Revelation as it deals with the message to the seven churches. And I, I've heard just about every message there is that somewhere, <laughs> somewhere along the line, that's us today. Uh, I don't know how you covered that, but give us a little glimpse on how you went through the seven churches. Well, I think these were seven actual churches uh, that had some real problems, and Jesus addressed them. He's very interested in what happens in a local church. These were all local churches. You know, Barry, people have the idea that uh, churches are kind of uh, second-rate Christian organizations. They're uh, <laughs> uh, necessities, but uh, they're really not a very good idea. They're outdated. But we need to understand the church is not man's idea. Man didn't create the church. God created the church. It's called the body of Christ. It's the only part of Jesus that the world sees today. And how people feel about Jesus Christ is often determined by their attitude toward the local church. So I think these messages, all seven of them, tell us God is constantly, the Lord Jesus himself is constantly watching evaluating and judging what is happening in every church. And you go through these seven churches, some were commended, some were condemned, some had a few good things to say about them, some had nothing good to say about them. Some were tolerant and they were criticized for being too tolerant of evil. But you know, the one church, Laodicea, is the church that made Jesus want to vomit. Uh, because they were lukewarm, neither too hot nor too cold. And I think that says a lot to us that Jesus uh, wants a church that's on fire for him. Um, with that in mind, um, gosh, just a big question. I don't know if we can answer it. We'll try. How would you rate the church in America? Now, it's made up of a lot of denominations and a lot of problems and a lot of good things going on. So if you if you look at the nation and then you look at the church in that nation, where would you put it? Well, to quote the, the late Speaker of the House, Tip O'Neill, all politics are local. And I think that's true with the evaluation of the church. I don't think 
you can talk about the church in America because we are a, a conglomeration of different churches. I think uh, Jesus uh, is uh, criticizing churches that have given up the truth, that have quit being salt and light. You know, Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. Salt was a preservative in Jesus' day. It didn't prevent the decay of meat, but it delayed the decay of meat. And yet there are many people, many churches that think the way we're going to win the world to Christianity is by becoming more like the world instead of encouraging the world to become more like Jesus Christ. And so they've given up beliefs, historic beliefs, about the exclusivity of salvation, of uh, the definition of marriage, of the value of life, all in a, an attempt to win people. Jesus said, if salt loses its saltiness, it is worthless and needs to be thrown out. So I think uh, Jesus certainly would uh, um, criticize churches for that. I think he would criticize churches that have become too politicized on the left or on the right. Uh, as you know, I am very stringent in believing that Christians ought to get involved in the political process. I think we can determine uh, the moral and spiritual climate of our country by the people we vote uh, into office. But there are some people that have gone overboard on that. They think government's the answer to everything. And if we can just get the right people in every position, somehow the millennium will come riding in to the world. <laughs> That's not going to happen. God created government for limited purposes, basically to keep order in the world and to protect liberty to worship. And uh, that's all government's going to do. So I think some people have an overestimation of the importance of government. So I think uh, God would uh, um, judge churches for too much political involvement um, as well as too little. One last question along this line before I take a break, uh, Dr. Jefferson, that is um, those of us who believe in the book of Revelation, we're trying to be good stewards, um, and we begin to sense this maybe is really the last days. The question would be then why aren't we more evangelical? Or evangel not evangelical, why aren't we more evangelistic, excuse me? Why aren't we more evangelistic? I mean, if we truly believe this is it, or we're close to it, why doesn't that shift our attention to get as many people as we can to go to heaven? You know, Martin Marty was a religion professor, I believe, at the University of Chicago. I don't know if he's still with us or not. I had a great conversation with him a few years ago, but he had a great line when he said, if Christians really believe the gospel, they wouldn't be watching basketball games or even the television preachers. They would be out rescuing people. And I think that is a really true. I mean, if we believe there's a heaven and a hell and most people are headed to hell, we would do everything we could to go out and rescue people. And uh, people say, well, you know, I don't know that the end is near. Uh, uh, what difference does it make anyway? I remember a conversation I had with Alan Combs at Fox News. He's passed away now, but he was a great friend. And he said to me one time on his program, Pastor, do you believe Jesus is going to come in your lifetime? I said, Alan, I don't know, but it really doesn't matter. 
he kind of looked at me and said, what do you mean it doesn't matter? I said, well, at the time I'm 55 years old and I know in the next 30 years, probably one of two things is happening. Either he's coming or I'm going, but either way, the end is near for me and it's near for you and it's near for everyone listening to this program. And I think that's the message. We're all going to meet God soon and we need to be ready. And the only way to be ready is by faith in Jesus Christ. A big amen. Let me take a quick break. You can go to PTV. That's uh, the Pathway to Victory. PTV.org is the website. There's a picture of the landing page. Check out his books. And then we're going to talk about his new book, soon to be released, The, the Ten. We'll talk about that when we come back. We'll be back to this week's interview in just a few seconds. In the meantime, we want to let you know that you can watch this interview, plus many more exclusive interviews that happen this week on the Dove's Daily TV and radio show by visiting our website, thedove.us. And while you're there, sign up for our free daily devotional, The Word for You Today. Three months of daily readings that will connect you with God's Word. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. An honor to have back with us today, Dr. Robert Jeffers, senior pastor there at the First Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas. And um, he is Pathway to Victory program you see on the Dove Television Network. You hear it on the Dove Radio Network. Uh, we're also honored to carry his daughter's uh, program, Unapologetic. He's written over 30 books, and he has a new one coming out in just a little under a month called The Big Ten. But Pastor Jeffers, first of all, um, I saw you the other day being interviewed on your daughter's program. <laughs> now, the only reason I laugh at that is I, our oldest son has served in the Oregon legislature for 14 years as a senator, and I've had many opportunities interviewing my son. How was it to be interviewed by your daughter? <laughs> <laughs> it was a humbling experience. <laughs> but, uh, we had a good time. In fact, I'm getting ready to tape another episode with her today. Uh, we're going to be talking about the subject of regrets, uh, how to say goodbye to regrets in life. But uh, she always is very insightful, both because she's uh, a younger generation. This program is uh, directed toward everybody, but especially the next generation. And uh, also the fact that she's female and uh, she has a different perspective on things than I do. So I always enjoy getting to be with her. And by the way, thank you for caring, unapologetic. We're having just tremendous success with the program. Oh, it's, it's well produced, well done, and she does a marvelous job. All right, so you wrote the book, The Big Ten, dealing with the Ten Commandments, or the Ten, I should say, I call it the Big Ten. Um, why did you choose it? Of all the things, you've written 30 books, many of them are bestsellers, now you're taking on the Ten Commandments. What's behind this? Well, uh, the subtitle, Perry, really says it all. How to live and love in a world that has lost its way. I think people resonate with that world that's lost its way. We are living in a time of moral, spiritual confusion. Our country uh, has really tried to uh, uncouple itself with God's laws. You know, only, I think, uh, uh, 20% 
percent of Americans can name five of the Ten Commandments. We don't know God's laws, much less apply them, and we're reaping the consequences of that. Look at every poll, whether you're talking about emotional disorders, anxiety, loneliness, despair, all of these things are at an all-time high when a knowledge and application of God's rules are at an all-time low. And so I thought it would be good to go back and look at the basics God gave us for living. And Perry, if there's one theme I want to emphasize in this book, it's this. God gave us his laws not to restrict our happiness, but to enhance our joy. These laws weren't meant to repress us, but to bless us. And uh, I'm taking these ancient laws and show how they applied to our everyday life and really are the best way to live. Yeah, it's also been said they are the boundaries of life, right? Well, they are. And by the way, let me speak of that word boundaries. You mentioned my daughter, Julia. When she was about five years old, we took her and her sister uh, to Colorado Springs, and we made the pilgrimage up Pikes Peak. <laughs> and once we had gotten to the top of the mountain, we got out to enjoy the, uh, the scenery, and Julia started running immediately toward the edge. There was no guardrail there, and I reflexively yelled out, stop! Now, why did I yell stop? Was I trying to rob her of some great experience? Of course not. I yelled out stop for her benefit to keep her from tragic experience. A lot of people think the Ten Commandments are a bunch of thou shalt nots given by a cosmic killjoy, God himself, who wants to keep us from having a good time. (laughs) Nothing could be further from the truth. These restrictions, or as you call them, boundaries, they are guardrails, not for God's benefit. He doesn't get anything out of them. It's for our benefit. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's also been said about the Ten Commandments. You don't break God's laws, God's laws break you. Covenant keepers win, covenant breakers lose. I mean, there are some blessings in there by keeping them, right? Well, there are. Uh, For example, I can think of several. The honor your father and your mother. Uh, uh, Moses said that there's a promise. Your days will be long upon the earth. He doesn't mean you're necessarily going to live a lot longer if you obey your parents, but he was talking to the nation of Israel. He said your nation will survive longer if you obey this commandment. Why? Because obedience to authority, learning that, is important for any society, and it's learned first in the home by people learning to obey their parents when they don't feel like obeying. If you don't create that respect for authority in the home, your children won't have it uh, in schools, they won't have it with their jobs, they won't have it with the government, and you'll have chaos. So there's a blessing for teaching your children to obey. The Sabbath, you know, remember the Sabbath. People get all hung up on the Sabbath. You know, can I watch TV on the Sabbath? Well, maybe I can watch football games, but I can't go to the movies. And they come up all of these crazy rules, and they forget Yet Jesus said the Sabbath was not made for God's benefit. The Sabbath was made for man's benefit. God says this: there ought to be one day a week that you quit, cease, desist from working, and focus on refreshing yourself physically and spiritually. Uh, adultery, no adultery. 
Uh, God created marriage. He created sex. That blows some people's minds to think of God with a sketch pad in heaven, uh, mapping out what the sex experience would be like. He's the idea who came up with sex. And he said, here's how it works best between a man and a woman in the security of a marriage relationship. So these laws were, again, given for our benefit. And I think my book, The Ten, helps people to understand what those benefits are. Okay, so what do you say, uh, Pastor, to someone says, I've broken too many of those, I'm beyond God. What do you say to that? Well, you know, Paul said in Galatians 3 that the law is a schoolmaster that leads us to Christ. And while certainly there's inherent benefits of obeying the commandments, uh, James said the law is like a mirror. It shows us how dirty we really are and how much we need to be cleansed. Here's the great news of the gospel. Colossians 2 says Jesus Christ has forgiven us of all our transgressions. Not just some of them, not just the little ones. He has forgiven us of all the transgressions. And it doesn't matter how many of these laws you've broken, how many times you've broken them. The blood of Jesus Christ is capable of forgiving us and cleansing us from all unrighteousness. Well, it's beautiful. It's coming out uh, October 4th. Where can they get it? Well, they can uh, pre-order it at Amazon.com right now. And I will say we're going to do a whole series in October on the Dove and other outlets on this series, The Ten Commandments, The Ten, How to Live and Love in a World That's Lost Its Way. That's wonderful. Okay, a couple other quick questions before I run out of time. Uh, take advantage of you, but thank you. <laughs> You're a delight. Um, how would you say we ought to prepare our hearts going into this next year when it's going to be so polarizing politically? I think we're in uncharted territory, what we're getting ready to enter into. Uh, I think we ought to take our responsibility as citizens seriously to vote for the best candidate. But I would just encourage people not to become too anxious about this. This all is in God's hands, and uh, we can exercise our best judgment. But ultimately, Daniel 2 says God is the one who establishes kings and removes kings. So we're going to hear, Perry, at every election, this is the most important election of our lifetime. America <laughs> hangs in the balance depending on how you vote. No, America hangs in the balance according to God's perfect will. And all we can do is vote. Every Christian ought to vote. We ought to vote according to biblical policies, not personalities. But once we've voted, we've done what we can do. How do we calm the division down even among Christians in this area? It seems like we have lost sight of our fellowship for the sake of what we think should be important. You know, it's no secret, Perry, that I'm a friend of and continue to be a friend of President Trump's, and I supported him in 2016 and 2020. When I first came out to support him, I said this to my church. I said, you've seen on the news my position, but I'll make a deal with you. When I come into the pulpit, I'll leave my politics at the front door of the church. 
and I'll make that deal with you if you'll do the same thing. When you come to the First Baptist Church of Dallas, leave your politics at the door, and when we come together, we'll talk about the only leader who really matters, and that's Jesus Christ. And the people gave me a thundering, thunderous standing ovation, and we've had that policy at our church. We talk about issues. We don't talk about political policies or candidates, and I would encourage every church to take that position. That's beautiful. You know, the other thing we have discovered, um, not only by airing Pathway to Victory, both on radio and TV and other programs, but we have discovered here is that the culture has created such a level of anxiety that uh, people are tuning in. They'll tune in. They'll say, you know, I just happened to tune in with Pastor Jefferson. <laughs> they'll call that a coincidence. I've always said a coincidence is God's way of being anonymous. But really, it's a, it's a divine appointment. Uh, you'd be surprised how many people to tune into your program, hear you say something, and at that moment, clarity, just like that, comes about. And what I'm sensing here is the fields are white under harvest. I'm wondering if we're ready. Yeah. Well, we need to be ready because faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. And that's why I so believe in the dub and what you all are doing, Perry, to get the word of God out. I think radio, television, the Internet are gifts from God to spread the gospel in these last days so that everybody has the opportunity to hear. And again, we hear stories just like you talked about. That's a testimony to the power of God's word. Well, let me say to our viewers and listeners, uh, go to uh, Amazon and order the book, The Ten. It'll be, uh, you can early uh, order right now. It'll be out early October, and it deals with the Ten Commandments. I think you'll find this to be an amazing resource, The Ten, by uh, Dr. Robert Jeffress. Thank you, friend. Good to see you. God bless you. Best to Julia. Tell her thanks for her program. She's touching thousands every day. Thank you. Thank you, Perry. Great to be with you. Thank you for listening to this week's Focus Today podcast. Remember, you can visit our website to check out all the interviews we did this week on our daily Focus Today TV show at thedove.us. And if you like this podcast, please take a moment to rate us and share it with your friends.